This is Reset. I'm Susie on in for Sasha Ann Simons. So far in the Biden presidency, several bills with strong climate measures have fallen apart in the Senate, largely due to Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia blocking their passage. But in a surprise announcement, he recently announced his own climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. The legislation focuses on climate change, health care, and reducing the deficit. This is not a green deal. We're having a pathway with aggressive energy from fossil and doing it cleaner, using all the new technologies, replacing the dirty fuels around the world. That's decarbonization. So this is a red, white and blue. It's a good piece of legislation. It's a deal struck with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and still needs to be voted on. Here to fill us in on the details is Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. She's also the director of Loyola University's Balmart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Welcome back, Karen. Great to join you. So after much back and forth, many disappointments and dead ends, seems new life has been breathed into a climate deal. Uh, At this point, why should people care? Well, while the U.S. has been not making deals, climate change hasn't stopped. Uh, So people should care because we can't wait for absolute political alignment. Speed and scale actually matter in addressing climate change and in moving toward the goal of keeping planetary warming below 1.5 degrees. And this has some speed. This has some scale. Yeah. Well, this is historic. No legislation with a similar price tag aimed at addressing the climate crisis has been passed by Congress. Do you think people should get their hopes up? I'm going to shoot for some cautious optimism here for two reasons. The first is, what does the bill actually do? And it is substantial in terms of several hundred billion dollars of spending around the way the U.S. produces energy. And it's also against the backdrop where the Supreme Court just limited the EPA's ability to address carbon. So you actually need things to go through the congressional process. So cautious optimism because of the content and also cautious optimism because of the potential for it to pass. Yeah. The Democrats right now in the Senate have the votes if all of the Democrats vote this way. We don't know what midterms will bring. The major holdout has been Senator Manchin. He's in. Um, it's not guaranteed, uh, but he's been a big switch in terms of a support for this approach. And we're going to focus on the climate aspects of the bill in this conversation, but quickly tell us some of the health provisions including included in the bill. Yeah, this is a big bill. And It is critical for climate. It's also really critical for health. And that's both in terms of the spending that's in the bill, but also the dollar savings. Um, There's funding in here for the Affordable Care Act to really expand making health care available and affordable for millions of Americans. So a huge piece there. And then there's savings built in that will also benefit folks across the board in terms of health care. A particular piece here is allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices. So there's substantial savings to the system from that. Uh, so there's big pieces here, both about availability and dollars that are fundamentally about health care. Yeah. Well, there are many beneficial things for the environment and climate goals for reducing emissions in the bill. Uh, and then there are some measures that kind of contradict what needs to happen to keep the planet from warming further. Uh, but let's start with the good things. Um, describe the elements of the bill that expand renewable energy production and use. Yeah, there's a lot in this bill. And uh, the majority of the spending is about climate, and a huge chunk of that, and over $200 million, is really for clean energy tax credits. So that will expand production of solar, of wind across the country. Um, there's also you know, $80-plus plus billion for electric vehicles, for homes, and extraordinary amounts that could both touch production at the massive scale, but then also how people live and their daily experiences. 
So there's both parts in there. There's even a little piece tucked in here for a green bank that would look at financing and then leveraging up public dollars with private dollars to expand growth. So there are multiple elements embedded in this plan. What impacts do you think this could have on uh, actually lowering emissions? There have been a variety of studies done very quickly from several different organizations, and the consensus is that this could drive a 40% reduction in emissions coming out of the U.S. by 2030. So that's absolutely huge. It's a significant amount uh, when you look at what we need to do. And in terms of tons, um, this could be a billion tons uh, of actual reductions in carbon. Well, that sounds pretty good. Uh, How close would this bring us to the climate goals President Biden has set? It's an extraordinarily big piece. So he set a goal that really the U.S. commitment to Paris is about 50 to 52 percent reduction by 2030. And that's a baseline of 2005. And just to put a little context, the U.S. has been decarbonizing a little bit each year. So it's about a 1 percent reduction from that peak each year. So his goal is 50 to 52 percent. This single piece of legislation would get 40 of that 50 Um, And it accelerates green energy production and use across the country. So it really would create some tailwinds, which then creates this opportunity for state, local companies and individuals to jump in and do the rest. So it's a huge piece in one bill towards that goal that, you know, just a couple weeks ago felt really out of reach. And let's take a look at technology. What technologies will get a boost through this bill? It's pretty wide ranging and it's, a fundamental expansion, really, in clean energy production. But a couple of examples are there's a tool, the production tax credit, and then the investment tax credit. These are streamlined, they're extended, uh, and then they're expanded. And I'll give you an example. The investment tax credit would now cover storage. So typically, this would be wind and solar. Now this is storage. And that's a huge piece when we look at how we have clean energy when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. So that's a way that this expands what's covered. Heat pumps are also included. So that's a way to electrify homes and to then be able to heat and cool a home off of electricity, which you can then continue to decarbonize with wind and solar. So there's very interesting combinations of pieces of technology. Fundamentally, it's about ease and expansion of the green economy. And so those heat pumps, that's something that would um, theoretically help out homeowners. Um, So this bill also sets aside $60 billion to help Black and brown communities adapt to the effects of climate change. Uh, Walk us through the environmental justice programs this bill would fund. Yeah, this bill does have, as you mentioned, $60 billion officially for environmental justice priorities. Um, That includes funding for things like the historically challenged Superfund cleanup sites, actual physical places. It includes funding that goes specifically to help states reduce greenhouse gas emissions in communities that have historically been underserved. It includes dollars for transportation and access in low-income areas and places that have had negative impacts from transportation hubs. So again, it's that comprehensive look at what a clean economy would look like, what an inclusive clean economy and clean communities could look like, and then trying to be direct and focused about potential. It even includes some funding to make public housing more efficient. So again, a big picture here um, that complements then things that are more market driven, like investment, like reductions in, in and up the opportunity to provide incentives on electric vehicles. So there's a range here as we look at providing opportunities for residents across the country of all different income levels and with different experiences historically with the economy. And, and uh, forests also will benefit from this bill. Uh, tell us how. 
Yeah, it's it, this is an example of just the comprehensive approach in here. Uh, forests actually do have direct investment, and particularly there's actually some funding for urban and community forests. Um, the largest ever investments at the federal level. And so when we think about all the benefits that we experience in the city from a healthy tree canopy, this is looking at some of those questions nationally. And it's really looking at nature-based solutions. So it's not a huge part of the bill, but it does speak to this look overall about creating healthier places to live and reducing emissions as we go. And we've covered a lot of measures outlined in this plan, um, and we haven't talked too much about how the bill plans to pay for all of this. Uh, the bill uses a mix of incentives and, and taxing corporations. Um, can you explain what's going on there? Yeah, and this this fundamentally is it's called it's the Inflation Adjustment Act. Essentially, it's about inflation officially. So it's got three components. The one is spending. We've talked a lot about that, with the majority being on climate. Um, there's a huge portion that is saving. And a, a major driver in there is corporate taxes and ensuring that all companies uh, that earn at least a billion dollars a year are paying that minimum 15% tax rate, which isn't the case today. So that's a huge driver. There's several hundred billion dollars that would come from that specific element. There's also a piece in here about IRS enforcement, um, which also will drive uh, revenues. And then a huge piece of paying for this, again, is the savings that the government will get from prescription drug prices from negotiating and looking at price caps. All in all, the spending is looking at $485 billion. The savings are estimated at 790 or so, which gets to you know 300 billion plus that is fundamentally to go help pay down the deficit. It won't make a huge dent in the deficit, but if you look at the package, the numbers are that this is a savings bill, not a spending yeah. bill. This is Reset. I'm Susie on in for Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert is with us, breaking down the surprise Senate climate deal for our weekly sustainability series. Karen, I mentioned major concessions earlier. Uh, let's dig into that. Um, a, a provision listed deep in the report says that for every new solar and wind project uh, approved on federal land, millions of acres of land need to be auctioned off for oil and gas drilling projects. And the same for offshore wind leases. What's going on there? Yeah, this absolutely is a case where this part is not about reducing emissions. Mm -hmm. uh, this is looking at all energy production on federal land, and it is tying these things together. So to be able to then permit and build clean energy to build wind and solar, you the government now has to offer acreage either on land for land-based projects or in the ocean if it's offshore for offshore wind. So this is a tie together. This has the potential to really slow down those clean energy investments, uh, if you think about what's possible. And then, quite honestly, this could expand drilling wow. and expand the production of fossil fuels. So it, this element absolutely goes the other direction in terms of both the direct emissions that could come from the new drilling and also the challenges that could come if this does end up slowing down, which some people are worried about. It might slow down the actual installation production from wind or solar. Wow. And there are also provisions that would give a tax credit for biodiesel and, and sustainable aviation fuel, but there are some concerns there. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. You've always got to look at the question of the macro economy at scale and where the sourcing is coming from as you're looking to transition to green and clean fuels. Um, and so there are great challenges in aviation. You can't run a plane at the size that we're flying them on batteries. The weight just doesn't work. So you do need to look at 
new ways to get the actual production of fuels. But you've got to look at, are you displacing other kinds of growth and what could be done with that land? There's some challenges to work out here. Yeah. Well, uh, there are also new fees on methane gas emissions from the oil and gas industries. Uh, How significant do you think that will be in helping to lower emissions? Methane is a really important one to look at because it's a greenhouse gas, just like carbon and others, but it's much more potent. So it's something like 86 times more powerful as a greenhouse gas than carbon is over the same time horizon over like 20 years. So this is a critical one, and it has really strong near-term effects. So as we're looking at trying to slow down emissions from the global economy, methane is one that if you slow it down now, you get maximum benefit because of how strong it is. So there are elements in here that are directly looking at enforcement and fees around methane leaks. So it's a really interesting transformation, uh, and it's going absolutely after one of the most significant near-term contributors to emissions. And and so this kind of puts lawmakers in a bind. Uh, if they vote for this historic piece of legislation that would address climate change, they'd also be supporting potential expansion of fossil fuel extraction. And we know that emissions from oil and gas are the biggest driver of climate change. What are your thoughts on that? I think big picture, if you take a step back and you look at all of the investments that are in this plan and all the ways that it's paid for, the optics are going to be rough. You have to vote for something that does open up drilling, and it could increase emissions. But if you look at that big picture, the estimates are that you know for each ton of emissions that could be created by some of the leasing items that we were talking about, at least 24 tons would be avoided by the rest of the bill. So if you look at it and you net it out, it's absolutely heading in the direction of reducing emissions from the overall economy. And as we talked about, it could hit that 40% goal. Um, as we look at where the U.S. needs to be. But there are definitely some elements here people are really going to have a hard time with. And you can pull them out and turn them into you know, real political challenges, which is why you got to take that step back, look at the whole bill, look at net-net, what does it do? And you know, net-net, it's very strong on emissions, the strongest we've seen. Uh, we touched on a bit about uh, the spending for this bill. Um, a NASA climate scientist recently tweeted a breakdown of the proposed spending in the bill and listed each element as a percentage of the U.S. military budget, which for fiscal year 2022 is $722 billion. That's compared to $369 billion the Inflation Reduction Act would allocate over 10 years to fight the climate crisis. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, that certainly did add some interesting context as we're looking at these numbers. Uh, The climate spending is still substantial, uh, but if you're looking at the entire economy and where the U.S. is spending dollars, it is very small, which is an interesting reminder that the possibilities that could come from spending that by comparison to small are huge in terms of transforming our economy. So the priorities are are clearly there. The opportunity here is to jumpstart an inclusive green economy and recognize it actually doesn't cost that much when you compare it to the overall look at what we do spend dollars on. Yeah. Uh, Well, as we mentioned earlier, uh, at this point, no Republican senators have voiced support for the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, And the other swing Democratic senator is uh, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. We don't know what she thinks about this bill. Um, But as we wrap up here, what will you be watching for moving forward? Well, absolutely right. We have to see uh, where Senator Sinema comes out. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation already um, that's happening there. We also have to look at the rest of the Democrats in terms of how they vote. There were really big aspirations when uh, President Biden was running and when he was elected. 
climate and healthcare were absolutely top of the list. He now has pieces of both of those in this bill, but it's not as big as what he campaigned on. So while we're talking about mansion and cinema, there are 48 other Democratic senators that also have to vote for this. Mm -hmm. So absolutely will be watching that um, and then absolutely be watching uh, how quickly this moves and then asking the question, of course, can everyone vote? Is there a COVID outbreak? Yeah, but right now, if the Democrats all vote, they have the ability to pass this and to accelerate the economy here and to reduce some of the pressure on health care. That's Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.